Welcome to Above Avalon. This is episode 108, iPhone Courage. Hi, I'm Neil. And going back over the past few months, the Apple topic that has garnered the most attention has been iPhone pricing. The thing is, pricing is not the most important variable impacting the iPhone business. Last month at Steve Jobs Theater, Apple unveiled a number of new products. One of the highlights was iPhone X. With that product, Apple is taking what previously worked with iPhone and throwing it away. The iPhone isn't just responsible for the vast majority of Apple's cash generation. It is the best tool for Apple to bring new users into the ecosystem. I think the risk found with iPhone X is being underestimated. So instead of focusing on pricing or product marketing, I think we should focus on design. And if we take a look at Apple's long-term design strategy with iPhone, I think Apple is showing courage. In today's episode, we're going to go over how that is possible. How can a design company selling tools to people do something that's courageous? How is that possible? And what does it mean for Apple to have courage when it comes to iPhone? The best place to begin is by going over iPhone 10, or as many people are calling it, iPhone X. Last month at Steve Jobs Theater, Apple unveiled three flagship iPhones. So 20 minutes of stage time was given to iPhone 8 and 8 Plus. Those are two flagships clearly positioned within the existing iPhone paradigm. Apple's goal for those two models is to come up with a better experience than what's available with the iPhone 7 and 7 Plus. Then we have the iPhone 10. It garnered nearly twice as much stage time. The X in iPhone 10 stands for 10, but it could very well have stood for extreme. We knew Apple was working towards having a model that lacked a front-facing home button. We knew that for a while. In fact, you can go back to WWDC 2016. There were signs even back then where Apple's beginning the process of moving us away from the home button. But there was still some unknown concerning this model. What will Apple do with Touch ID, with the fingerprint reader? Do they place the fingerprint reader on the back? That's what a lot of other smartphone manufacturers seem to have decided. Do you just get rid of it altogether? Or do you come up with something new? If you go back to January, maybe even at the end of 2016, we had some Apple cell side analysts begin to write notes saying, we are hearing that Apple's going to embrace facial recognition. My theory is that they got that information from Apple's supply chain, in particular, the suppliers for all of the components that later would make up the true depth camera system in the iPhone X. As it turned out, it seemed like a lot of those early rumors and reports were forgotten. And instead, the rumor mill turned to Apple working on putting Touch ID, putting the fingerprint reader, under the display. The consequence from all of these rumors is that when Apple unveiled iPhone X last month, I think a lot of people looked at Face ID and Apple's approach to facial recognition as some type of stopgap. This must have been something that Apple just had to decide the very last moment. They weren't really going to go in this direction. 
I'm skeptical in that claim. When you take a closer look at Face ID and Apple's broader move of facial recognition, I think the company has been planning on this for a long time. And said the question is, does Apple plan on having Face ID and Touch ID in the same phone? I'm a little bit skeptical in that. Or is Apple researching to put Touch ID in another device, maybe a device that doesn't have a camera yet? The point is, the moves Apple is making with Face ID, taking away the home button, taking away Touch ID, these are significant changes. They usher in a completely new iPhone experience. Now, I spent maybe 10 minutes with iPhone 10 in the exhibit space at Steve Jobs Theater. And the first thing that I noticed is there is a learning curve to this device. There is no question about it. You're going to have to retrain your finger reflex. So every time I picked up the device, I wanted to press the home button at the bottom of the screen. Instead, you have to swipe. And also there's swiping in terms of the upper left and right corners. We will see just how long this reflex lasts. It could very well be just 10, 15 minutes, a couple hours, maybe a couple days. The point is, by removing that home button, I think that's going to be the single biggest change Apple has made to iPhone. That's one reason why I think it's such a risky move, and it's being grossly misunderestimated. A lot of people are looking at this as just a change. They look at other smartphone manufacturers doing something similar and saying, well, that's not that big a deal. Removing the home button, well, since Samsung's already doing it, what's the big deal with it occurring with iPhone? As we will discuss in a few minutes, that's not the full story. Instead, what Apple is doing is they're using design to push the user experience forward. And there's an incredible amount of risk found with that strategy. Speaking of strategy, this is a good time to go over Apple's broader iPhone strategy to see where the iPhone 10 fits in the master plan. Apple is actually launching iPhone 10 at a pretty critical juncture for the iPhone business. Existing iPhone users are holding on to their iPhones for longer. That means the upgrade rate is slowing. This has contributed to overall iPhone unit sales plateauing. I have an exhibit over at AboveAvalon.com in the article iPhone Courage. It's exhibit one. And it's very clear after years of a steady increase in unit sales, there's a plateau. Starts right around early 2015. So it's not that the iPhone business is imploding, but it's also not growing. Instead, iPhone users, they're not upgrading as often. They're holding on to their iPhones, maybe for three, four years. Now, while things like the iPhone upgrade program and maybe installment plans through carriers are helping to offset that trend, I don't think it's enough. I think instead, the broader move is people really being comfortable holding on to those iPhones for longer. They don't see the need to upgrade every year or even every other year. One thing to keep in mind when we talk about iPhone upgrade rates is that Apple has been able to bring in a lot of new people into the iPhone user base. And so what that means is that even though the average person's holding on to their iPhone for longer, there's simply more iPhone users out in the wild. 
And so it is very well possible that iPhone unit sales growth returns. But I don't think you would necessarily have a long-term shift in growth trajectory. I think it's going to be more of a stable up and down type of move going forward. Now, despite weakening sales growth trends, Apple's still selling more than 200 million iPhones per year. We're talking $140 billion of revenue, $60 billion of gross profit. In terms of new user growth, my estimate for 2017 is that Apple grew the iPhone install base by 110 million people. I have a little bit more to say about that number and how I reached that number at the end of the episode. It's clear, iPhone remains Apple's most effective tool for grabbing new users. When you look at the iPhone strategy, there's three parts here. Pricing, product marketing, and design. Most of the attention has been on pricing. You're looking at Apple's move at the high end of the iPhone pricing spectrum. iPhone 10 now $1,000. iPhone 8, 8 Plus, seeing a slight pricing increase as well. The thing is, Apple is making just as interesting of a change at the low end of the pricing spectrum. Apple is following a segmentation strategy. So at the low end, Apple is cutting iPhone pricing to improve accessibility. Look at the iPhone SE, $350. That $399 iPhone price floor completely shattered. It's been there for years, no longer. We're moving to a point where we're probably going to have an iPhone for less than $300. Then you have Apple continue to sell iPhone 6S, 6S Plus. Even the iPhone 6 is being sold in some select markets. Why still sell all those models? Was to position additional SKUs for customers that are focused on value and price. And then, of course, we have Apple's move at the high end of the pricing spectrum iPhone 10 clearly targeting those who value the latest and greatest technology. Moving to the product marketing strategy, it's all about the iPhone being the best camera people have ever owned. Look at the dual camera system in the iPhone 7 Plus. I think that's one of the most noteworthy iPhone features in years. It's a great feature. With iPhone 8 Plus and iPhone 10, Apple introduced portrait lighting. It's a whole new element to portrait mode. I have been testing an iPhone 8 Plus, been playing around with portrait lighting. It's not as big of a jump as portrait mode was with the iPhone 7 Plus, but it's a nice addition. And I think that over time, I think more and more people are going to really like portrait lighting. And then, of course, we have portrait mode and portrait lighting coming to the iPhone 10 front-facing camera. So you could do all of those portrait mode selfies, which I think is going to be a pretty big deal. I, I have trouble seeing how that's not going to be popular. Apple saw how cameras were becoming much more than memory capture tools and said cameras are turning into smart eyes. These smart eyes are going to power the augmented reality era. When judging Apple's overall iPhone pricing and product marketing strategy, it's tough not to give Apple pretty good grades. We see this in terms of sales, new user growth. The numbers do look pretty decent. And the thing is, if Apple ever made a mistake with iPhone pricing or product marketing one year, it's somewhat easy to at least change that in subsequent years. Maybe if Apple needs to get a little bit more aggressive at the low end, that change can be made. 
The thing is, these two items, pricing and product marketing, they're not the most important things impacting iPhone's evolution. Instead, it's all about design. It's the way consumers use iPhone. iPhone X shows us that Apple is willing to move beyond legacy design constraints and thinking. Look at the home button, for example. The home button has come to represent safety for hundreds of millions of people. Touch ID, fingerprint recognition, these became universally accepted because of their connection to the iPhone home button and that convenience. Apple's taking that familiar design and they're throwing it out the window. Why? Is it just to sell iPhone 10 units? I don't think so. They're getting rid of it in order to push the iPhone experience forward. Apple is confident consumers are going to embrace these changes. The thing is, that confidence is not a result of consumers wanting, demanding, or wishing for these changes. In fact, when you look at most people's reaction to the iPhone 10, it's of skepticism. People don't want Face ID. People think they're going to miss Touch ID. Instead, what's going on here is Apple designers and engineers, they're throwing away legacy thinking. They're doing that in order to come up with something new. This is not just some development with the iPhone X. Upon closer examination, Apple has demonstrated this willingness to let go of legacy design in the past. Let's turn back to September 2016. Apple unveiled iPhone 7 and 7 Plus in San Francisco. The two flagship models had your typical assortment of new features and upgrades. I tend to like the dual camera system in iPhone 7 Plus. However, there was no question. One change stood out from all the others. Apple removed the dedicated headphone jack. No one was asking for that. No one was calling for Apple to do this. Apple ended up including a traditional pair of AirPods that would work with the lightning connector. They also included a small adapter that would connect other headphones into lightning. So they gave people alternatives. And I think most people accepted those alternatives, although there were still a lot of questions as to why Apple ultimately did this. On stage, when explaining Apple's decision, Phil Schiller, Apple's Senior Vice President of Worldwide Marketing, had this to say, quote, it really comes down to one word, courage. The courage to move on, do something new, that betters all of us. To say that removing the headphone jack was a controversial decision would be an understatement. For months leading up to that event, the tech community was going crazy over the thought of removing the headphone jack. You had some people declaring the move as user hostile, stupid even. The thing is, Phil Schiller's comment about courage, that did not sit well with many people. Some referred to it as tone deaf. Others said it showed arrogance and greed. How can a corporation call a change to one of its products courage? Apple stands to benefit financially from an iPhone 7 and 7 Plus that connects with consumers. The thing is, I think Schiller was right in calling Apple's decision to remove the dedicated headphone jack 
as courage. I think Apple displayed additional courage last month by removing the home button from iPhone X. The reason these iPhone design choices can be called courageous is that Apple is not afraid to risk sales in order to make technology more personal. It is very difficult to take a product that is bringing in more than $140 billion of revenue per year and change the way people fundamentally use the device. I understand how this situation may seem way too self-centered to deserve being called courageous. But the thing is, iPhone is used by 800 million people. A design decision that's capable of improving or advancing the iPhone experience, it's going to have a tangible impact on many lives. I think, in fact, it could benefit society as a whole. There are a lot of ways to describe the iPhone and smartphones in general. But the thing that's common among all of us is that we are empowered by having a mobile computer in our pockets. And I think additional power is going to flow to users as smartphones evolve into augmented reality devices. This is why I think Apple displayed courage by removing the 30-pin dock connector, removing the headphone jack, removing the home button. Each one of those design choices shared a few common traits. They were deliberate, they were decisive, and they were all about design. Apple doesn't make changes for the sake of making changes. A headphone jack is not removed from the iPhone 7 in order to have it merely stand out from the iPhone 6S. Instead, removing that headphone jack, it's the first step in Apple's long-term mission to remove wires from our lives. The reason Schiller's courage comments on stage just didn't sit well with people was that he didn't go over the long-term goal found in removing the dedicated headphone jack. I don't think he really could have because you need a number of years and a number of iPhone versions for it to really come to light. One should not expect Phil Schiller to go up on stage and say, well, we're removing the headphone jack from the iPhone because the future is found with Apple Watch and wireless AirPods. That's not going to fly. <laughs> you can't say that. And so while I think he was correct in calling the move courage, I don't think he explained it well enough. In terms of being decisive, Apple doesn't sit on the fence when it comes to design. The dedicated headphone jack is not coming back to the iPhone. Dedicated home buttons with fingerprint readers, they're not coming back to the iPhone. Instead, what we'll see is as time goes on, the number of models that contain that familiar home button will begin to decline. Dedicated home buttons don't have a future at Apple. And then in terms of design, by removing the dedicated headphone jack and home button, Apple is changing the way we interact with iPhone. Some of those changes take place through a new user interface. Other changes may be found in how we use iPhone relative to other products. In addition, things like the 30-pin dock connector that may not seem as obvious in terms of how it impacts the user experience. While something like 
removing the home button, it's quite obvious how everything changes. This brings us to the fundamental takeaway about design. Avoiding change simply out of fear of angering users or customers can cripple an otherwise successful product and company. In fact, that fear of throwing away design artifacts and legacy tendencies, that represents one of the biggest risks facing iPhone today. This is the reason why I think design and not pricing or product marketing is the most important variable to monitor when thinking about iPhone's future. The fear of embracing change makes it impossible for Apple to accomplish its long-term goal of making technology more personal. What does that phrase mean when it comes to iPhone? I think it's a design that blends hardware and software. As buttons and ports are removed in order to make room for new camera, battery, and screen technology, what's happening here is the iPhone is morphing from a multi-touch computer into an augmented reality navigator. The way we control that device is going to change. We are increasingly going to be able to do more with just glances and looks. That's what it means to make technology more personal. This behavior of killing off features, components, ports, and technology just in an effort to push the user experience forward, it's actually a carryover of Apple's approach with the Mac. There's a very big difference this time around. Apple is making these changes to a product that is used by an additional 700 million people. Up to now, listening to this conversation, one may say, Okay, this contains some logic, or at least that may be your thought process. But Samsung removed the home button from its flagship smartphone. Other smartphone manufacturers are doing the same thing. Apple is not alone in making these types of design changes. So what's the big deal? The thing is, making changes for the sake of change is actually pretty easy in the smartphone industry. We see it occur quite a bit. The difficult part is for a company to leverage those changes to push the user experience forward. So let us compare Samsung with Apple. Yes, Samsung was able to beat Apple to market with an OLED smartphone that lacks a front-facing home button. That is one benefit in being able to have your product launch earlier in the year. However, there is a very noteworthy difference in how Samsung and Apple leveraged these design changes. By removing the home button, both companies had to come up with an alternative to having a fingerprint reader positioned in a very convenient location. Samsung chose to place the reader on the back of the device. It's a much more awkward location. The company also came out with facial recognition as an alternative. The problem is it quickly became clear it really isn't a viable alternative. It just wasn't as good as fingerprint recognition. I think this is one reason also why Face ID is being met with a lot of skepticism. It's really tough to argue that the Samsung Galaxy user experience was improved given these changes. You look at Google Pixel. 
again, similar changes here where there are some questions as to whether the alternatives these companies are making are really pushing that user experience forward. I think Samsung is a prime example of a company that makes changes for the sake of change. This is why when you look back at every flagship smartphone from Samsung, there are a number of items where reviewers and users just kind of put them off to the side. They don't think they're that important. They're just there. While there are some features with iPhone that share a similar characteristic, you just don't see the same quantity. You just don't see the same situation that occurs with Samsung Galaxy. If we take a closer look at iPhone 10, Apple is positioning Face ID as the alternative to Touch ID in the home button. If done correctly, Apple will be the company to bring facial recognition as a form of biometric authentication to the masses. Now, based on the company's success with Touch ID, I do think Apple deserves the benefit of the doubt here. I would go so far as to say, if consumers embrace Face ID, it's going to kick off a new era at Apple involving facial recognition. It is only a matter of time before every Apple product with a camera has the true depth camera system. You have an infrared camera, flood illuminator, proximity sensor, ambient light sensor, dot projector. All of this may seem trivial if you're just thinking of these cameras and technology as being able to unlock an iPhone. But I think it's going to bring up a new era of health monitoring. Face ID will be able to understand changing faces, understand facial hair, weight gain or loss, makeup, different hairstyles. The ability to monitor maybe what is subtle changes in weight could be a key part of health monitoring and keeping track of one's well-being. We are starting to hear this narrative with products like Apple Watch, but we're still in the very early stages. The other item worth considering when comparing Apple to other smartphone manufacturers is that Apple has very few smartphone models. The company does not have the benefit of taking risk with a less popular model and then bringing those new features to the mass market only once market adoption has been proven. Apple doesn't do that. Instead, because Apple sells so few models, each model sells pretty well. And if you take a look at the iPhone 10 or iPhone 8 and 8 Plus, one of those models could very well sell in excess of 100 million units per year, assuming the supply is there. So the way Apple handles new technology is they put it in one model. As supply improves, maybe in the following year, Apple expands it to two models or at least additional models. And then after a few years, the entire iPhone line contains that technology. Touch ID would be a prime example. The thing is, all of this is essentially a multi-year process. In order for Apple to get to the point of having Touch ID across the product line, well, they have to start somewhere. Face ID is gonna be a very similar situation. You start with iPhone 10, and then subsequent years, you're expanding that gradually to the rest of the iPhone line. You don't have a situation where there's sort of a risky product, a risky model that Apple can try some technology in. If it doesn't work, they forget about it. 
then they'll maybe try something else with a different iPhone model that, that doesn't describe the iPhone line. This brings us back to the title of today's episode, iPhone Courage. The amount of risk Apple's taking with iPhone X should not be underestimated. There is a reason why Apple management is positioning iPhone X as a glimpse of the next 10 years of iPhone. By the way, this is why I think Apple went with iPhone X and not iPhone X. They don't mind the iPhone X to be compared to the iPhone 8. And when you do that, when you put them side by side, 8, 10, well, it clearly makes the iPhone 10 seem like a futuristic phone, like the phone of the future, or even from the future. I don't think Apple minds that mental connection being made. I actually doubt Apple really cares if people are calling it iPhone X or iPhone 10. We saw this with iTouch, iWatch. There is a pattern of this happening, and it really has no impact long term. One of the main takeaways I get from iPhone 10 and Apple's broader iPhone strategy is Apple designers, engineers, and marketers, they're showing a willingness to break down legacy thinking in order to come up with something new. While Apple is confident that consumers will embrace all these changes, nothing is a given. Consumers aren't demanding or wishing for these changes. At a certain point, maybe that's not even the most important thing, though. By not letting fear of change and customer rejection dictate iPhone design decisions, Apple is displaying courage. Yes, Apple stands to benefit financially from these design changes. Apple would very like to see iPhone 10 sell well. The thing is, iPhone users also stand to benefit iPhone is empowering hundreds of millions of people in ways that were never imagined. Courage is putting fear aside and taking bold risk in order to empower others. That's going to do it for today's episode. As I mentioned a few minutes ago, if you're interested in the iPhone install base or the iPhone user base, I recently revised my estimates for those two items. I sent all of my math and the methodology behind my math to above Avalon members. We also discussed my Apple Watch install base and user base estimates. The reason why these numbers are so important is they play a pivotal role in estimating how many iPhones and Apple Watches will Apple sell to existing users. Meanwhile, as Apple's fourth quarter 2017 earnings quickly approaches, I'm beginning to think about my 2019 estimates. So all of that analysis and discussion was included in the past few exclusive daily emails to above Avalon members. These emails represent the cornerstone of above Avalon membership. So if you enjoy the type of Apple analysis found in these episodes or in the weekly articles over at aboveavalon.com, I think you would enjoy these exclusive daily emails. Each email is about 2,000 words. We cover two to three stories. Story topics include strategy and business analysis. We go over financial modeling, estimates, and we also go over my perspective and observations on current news events, competitors, Apple keynotes, Apple events. These emails cover everything important that's happening in the world of Apple. Membership is $10 per month or $100 per year. To sign up, all you have to do is go to aboveavalon.com and then go to the membership page. Sign up is very simple. 
Members have the option of joining the Above Avalon team in Slack. So that's where the archive exists. So you can go back and look over all of the previous daily emails. You can look at the emails that were focused on the iPhone install base and user base. In addition, there are channels where you can chat with other Above Avalon members. Above Avalon is 100% supported by its members. So thank you for those of you who are already a member. And thank you in advance for those of you who are considering becoming an Above Avalon member. With that, I will conclude today's episode. We will talk to each other next week. Bye.